Communications disruption can mean only one thing. This is Jam Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome everybody to episode 9 of Jam Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Peter Viox, joined today by my good friend and co-host Joshua Rowe. How's it going, man? It's wet, it's rainy, but it's Wednesday and it's Star Wars Day in my life, so I'm doing great. How it about is, yourself? It is Star Wars Day. Happy Star Wars Day to you, and happy Star Wars Day to our returning guest, whom we've missed so much, Eden Gray of QDQ Cosplay. Hi, I'm back. Welcome back. How are you doing today? Um, Doing pretty good. So how's that cosplay coming? Oh, yeah. I totally wanted <laughs> to talk about it. I was thinking about it on the way home, um, especially since we're talking about episode one today. So it's coming along great. She's talking about her uh, Flame Handmaiden cosplay, if you haven't yep. listened to any of the previous yep. co- uh, episodes with her on it. Yep. I'm making a Naboo Handmaiden, the fiery red, orange, yellow gradient outfit with the hood. And it's going to be part of a whole army of Flame Handmaidens accompanying Jedi Manda at Star Wars Celebration. So excited. And I decided to just do it and make the whole thing on my own from scratch out of plain white velvet and it's all ready to dye now like I, I need to gradient dye the sleeves and stuff I'm ready I saw the test strips those look awesome yeah the, the test strips of dye look great did I did I send you the pictures of the me wearing it where it looks no. so much like Leia because it's all oh, white yeah it was crazy how much because I just pinned it on myself to make sure okay this is going to fit before I dye it, I need to make sure right. I don't need to adjust <laughs> anything before I spend hours, literally hours and days, dyeing this stuff. Uh, and it fit, but it looked just like Leia. It's really impressive. Maybe a future cosplay in mind now that you've seen a uh, preview of it. Right? Now now I, yeah. I've never really thought about or wanted to cosplay Leia. Like, she's not my favorite. She's fantastic, but she's not my favorite. Like, she's too wholesome and good. Uh, but it could be fun. Somebody get this walking carpet out of my way. <laughs> yeah, really Aren't you a little short? <laughs> Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? She's so snarky, but she's so And so are you. Good. I think it's kind of perfect, and you just don't realize it. I'm too chaotic evil for that nonsense. You're right. She's not that. No. <laughs> anyway, the cosplay's coming along great, and I'm very excited. To s- hopefully next time I will have even more progress to talk about. Awesome. And what kind of Star Wars stuff have you been into? You've been doing a little bit of reading, Josh, haven't you? I have. Uh, finally, after uh, getting poked and prodded, I've got the Aftermath series done. The trilogy. Yeah, the whole thing? Yeah. Woo. I loved it. It was really good. I'm glad. Who was your favorite character? Sinjir. Yeah. yeah. Sinjir yeah. Rathfelis. He's so cool. And his um, voice acting is so good. Are you still a Temin hater? You were yeah, I was on the last one. I still, I held out. Without, Snap's cool, yeah. but he's definitely, like, he's got a lot of work. His family situation was pretty f***ed, wasn't it? Yeah. 
to yeah. say the least. Yes. And he's Poor nothing dude. without Mr. Bones. No, not at all. And he counts on that thing a little too much. Yeah, like that's Because Mr. Bones is his only family. Like a pacifier. Security blanket. <laughs> I a would crazy B one battle droid. Murderbot. As a pacifier. <laughs> yep. I would do the same. Uh, it'd be hard not to because that guy was pretty cool too. Yeah. I love the the chaos he brought to the story. Same, same here. Well, I say we jump into the news because, guys, we actually got a decent amount of news going on this week. Yes. Slash week and a half. Um, If you guys haven't heard, there's a Galaxy's Edge comic miniseries coming out. This what? No, I haven't heard anything about this. Yeah. it's uh, we're They're going to be taking us to Batuu. So uh, have they revealed like any characters that are going to be in it or anything? Or are they just all new? Or Well, there's Doc Ondar. The Athorian, and he looks uh, he looks pretty old. I'm kind of curious where his his voice box is. Here's a picture of him. I, as far as the concept okay. drawing, there is none. But what's this little droid doing around him? You know, is that oh, like yeah. a little translator maybe? Or no? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's floating upside of him in the uh, concept art. I'm not entirely sure um, where they got the uh, the idea of this guy because he looks like. Temple Monk style, like uh, something you'd see in like an old kung fu movie, hmm. which the, is interesting. Yeah, the droid looked like it had a little a little pit droid head. It does. Oh, it does. Oh, he looks like with like a selfie light ring. Wow. Yeah. And he's got a little beard. What? And look at those eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, this story is going to be taking us to Black Spire, which um, if you haven't read, Thrawn Alliances took us there first, I believe. That may have been our first look into that uh, mm-hmm. resort. Yeah. So excited to see that. Um, don't know too much else about it, but if if you guys want to know any more about it, there's a news link on StarWars.com. It's a little information it. on Batu also, uh, where it was a... Like a transport city, or transport world, honestly. Uh, that, to me, is going to be really interesting to see what has happened as far as, like, Trade Federation and all that stuff. What's It's almost like it's been forgotten. So the stories that they're going to line up with this place, there's endless possibilities. Very excited to see where it takes us. But that's not the only comic series we got coming our way, is oh, it? Oh, no, it's not. We have the, uh, was it the TIE Fighter? Is that what it's called? TIE Fighter? Yeah, TIE Fighter miniseries. I think there's going to be five of them, right? I believe so, yeah. Um, the co- the cover art and like the uh, the advertisement for this, I don't know who done it. I, I need to look that up. The reds and orange, that, that warm hue, I absolutely think that's beautiful. It's just... I'm going to try to do something in that style soon. Yeah, I think you can see X-Wings in the TIE Fighter pilot's eyeglass area. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, you can. See, that's just... This is gorgeous. Right? And it's supposed to be the uh, elite squadron of TIE Pilots. Uh, Was it the Shadow Squadron? Squadron? Yeah. I think so. I just can't stop staring at that art. (laughs) So that's beautiful, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be coming in April. Um... In that same article. Shadowing, my bad. Sorry. Oh, no, no, you're good. Shadowing. I couldn't remember what it was either. But we also got the announcement we've heard about and talked about on this podcast, uh, Alphabet Squadron by Alexander Freed. And what did we find out about it? Well, it's coming out in April, right? And it's going to be and a trilogy. Yeah. That's the, the cool part. That's is, the cool part. What if, 
Well, it's going to be set from what I read. It's going to be uh, like post indoor. Um, kind of cool that I just finished up aftermath. So, yeah, I forgot entirely what Alphabet Squadron is about. So I I got nothing. It's about these uh, starfighter pilots um, after the fall of the Empire, and each starfighter pilot pilots a different type of starfighter. Right. So you're going to have there's a U wing, there's a B wing, uh, a Y wing. You have the X-Wing, of course, and I think that's going to be the main characters because it's right under the the title. Um, what's the other one on there? There's oh, something wow. else. A-Wing, of course. Stupid. So you're going to have all of those um, different starfighters in the same squadron in a trilogy. So who knows? The storytelling could be endless. Oh, yeah. Anything could happen. Yeah. The idea of having... Uh, five different pilots, maybe six different pilots with six different fighters that all have a separate like specialty to them. Yeah, and their ship is going to be an extension of their own personality right. too. Right, so I want to see the contrast. Yeah, very excited about that. And uh yeah, they they just <laughs> I'm obviously less excited. I don't I don't know. <laughs> There's just it doesn't have a hook for me yet, but as soon as the characters get revealed, I'm sure I'll fall in love with all of them. Well, yeah, fair the, enough. Uh, the main character looks like she's going to be female. Okay. So, yeah, there's that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did see the cover art with her design, and she has a name, and I don't remember it, but I bet she's going to be a badass. So that, to me, is exciting. Um, just going to throw that out there. I like how we have the uh, the different sexes, even species being, like, title characters in some of this uh, spinoff work. Yeah, it's important. Everybody needs a little representation for sure. Not just, I didn't mean to say a little. Everybody needs representation for sure, yeah. no matter who or what you are. And it gets more people involved, which growing Star Wars is the whole point, right? Exactly. Even B1 battle droids need representation. Right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even the crazy ones. So we also got some information about the Age of Rebellion. Uh, that is the continuation of this Age of R. Etc. Yeah. Comic series, mini series, maxi series, if you will, that's coming out across the year. Um, we're right in the middle of re- Republic. Republic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too, Republic. too many re's in there. So yeah. yeah. Resistance um, and rebellion and all this wonderful stuff. Yeah. But we got covers for Princess Leia. We get we're getting a Grand Tarkin. Moff Tarkin, and the special has Yoda on the front. Oh my God! I haven't yeah. seen this one with Wedge Antilles. <gasps> And Jack Porkins and IG-88. Awesome. See, that's... Ooh, I just picked What's up... What's going on there? <laughs> IG-88, speaking of, uh, I just picked up a uh, variant cover, a uh, special edition of Vader 23. Are you all into those comics with, now? With uh, IG-88. Dude, it's been so long since I've even bought a comic, and now <laughs> I'm just like, buy them all. <laughs> no matter what I do, it's 100%. <laughs> No, I understand. It's called uh, addiction. <laughs> to Star Wars. Hello, my name is, is Josh, okay. and I'm addicted to Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are welcome here, Josh. Hi, Josh. <laughs> so, so yeah, as far as that, the only other news, I mean, I don't know why I'm just saying the only other, I mean, this is just jam-packed news, but we got more celebration announcements. Now like what? Rancho Obi-Wan is, of course, going to be setting up again. Now, that was awesome. In 2017, and I know you and I, Josh, have talked about wanting to go there. Oh, I'd love it. There's a road trip in the future. I'm thinking about uh, getting uh, um, 
subscription to it or what, whatever it is. What do they I do? I know what it basically. What you're talking about. Yeah, basically, but. if you pay uh, to join their foundation or whatever it is, yeah. I think it's like fifty something a year. It could, I could be wrong. Just don't quote me on this. Go. Look but don't it they up. like send you things and all that stuff? You, so get, you get invited invitation to the gala, to the gala. The gala whatever. Yeah, and so that's pretty cool. I want to throw this out here, guys. I'm sorry, tangent. Um, if anybody knows the correct way to say it, gala or gala, feel free to hit us up and correct me if I'm wrong. Gala. Well, here's the gala. thing. Gala. Here's the thing, though. In Star Wars, vowels obviously don't matter. Hand. Hand. Palpatine. <laughs> Stop. Aww. You got that right there. I could, <laughs> I could not handle that. What about Boba Fett? <laughs> It's Star Show's Wars. over, guys. It's a whole I always galaxy. make him so uncomfortable, <laughs> and I love it. It makes Owls me laugh. Owls are variable when you have so many species. It's our dynamic. So many things. We've got Jonas Suetomo, the new Chewie. Yep. We've got Sam motherfucking Whitwer. Of course we do. And we all know him as, uh, we all know who that is. I don't even have to say. Yeah, the brother in the Mortis arc. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> no, I'm not. He's also Darth Maul in Clone Wars and Rebels. Now we've also got Greg Grunberg, your buddy Temin, yeah, Mr. Snap Wexley. You know what? I want to talk to him. Just to see, you know, your thoughts on the character. I want to ask him some stuff. Yeah. yeah well, that's what it's all about. Because I read Aftermath and I hate your character. <laughs> Fix it. <laughs> Fix that. What are you going to do in episode nine? Temin. Temin. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> anything to do with that. Damn. It's just all Chuck Wendig's brain. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I need to talk to that guy, too. Yeah. He, like, hey, buddy. He's so cool. He's really cool. Yeah. You're going to like him. Uh, we've got Dave Chapman. Um, Who's Dave Chapman? Yeah, who is that? Oh, he's a puppeteer that did uh, BB-8 and Rio. Oh, wow. And Proxima. I actually knew who it was. I just wanted to throw I forgot. <laughs> I, I'm drawing I'm drawing so many blanks today. It's, it's a rough day. Yeah. But you know, it's Star Wars Day and look, it's it's already getting brighter. Uh, Dodonna's gonna be there. Yes. Ian McElhenney, Orly Shoshan, uh Shakti, mm-hmm. and Greg Proops, whom this is very related to episode one. He's the two headed uh Buta announcer. Eve announcer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he was, he also was doing some announcing in uh, one of the classic races of uh, Resistance. Right. Yeah, same guy. Did yeah. we did we look that up and confirm it? Oh yeah, it's, it's Greg Greg Proops for yeah. sure. And the in Resistance, some of the uh, those episodes races that was so good. Two. Yeah, it was a very early yeah. episode. Yeah, it was. So uh, also we've got Paul Casey, who was uh, Admiral Raddus in Rogue mm-hmm. One. So that's it. That's that's like the him. news. We got a ton of great news. And um, before we hop into today's subject, we have Conway Jenner. Indeed, we do. And uh, you know what? I just want to let you all know we appreciate all of the interaction that we've been getting. But we want to invite you. You can join in the conversation by sending an email to comlink at jamtransmissions.com. We are also on Twitter at JTComlink, and we post a lot of cool stuff on Instagram at Jammed Transmissions, and you can also get in touch with us on uh, Facebook.com slash Jammed Transmissions. Business out the way. We've got (laughs) a voicemail from our buddy Anthony, Rural Farm Boy. I'll do Pete and Josh and Miss Eden if she's there. And I'll do to her if she ain't, because I know she'll hear this. I'm here. This is Rural Farm Boy. 
just finished for a second time your trip you done took us on down that hyperspace memory lane last episode. That was damn fun. And you also give me some other things you you made mention of that I hadn't stopped to think about, like them Super Nintendo, Super Star Wars games. And yes, they was damn hard. Kids playing games nowadays think they got stuff hard. They got not one idea. I loved all of them and played the crap out of them. It took me six months to beat the damn things. <laughs> uh, also surprised me. I, I helped drag a couple folks in that you read responses to from like a couple of our friends from podcasts, other Star Wars podcasts, like WSTR Media and uh, Illogical Road too. That's Mark Herleman from Star Wars Report. Yeah, I was glad to hear from them, and I'd I done drug Mark in there, and a couple of our friends from the Twitterverse, Metal Mando, that's Jeff Keltz, and My Star Wars Life, that. Glad to hear from them, and I'm whatever else comes next, I'm going to drag some more folks in this. Get everybody all stirred up in it. But you asked a question of me, of what I thought about how Thrawn is now sitting in the canon with the new stories that's told that he's a part of. And actually, it sits pretty damn well for me. I think what maybe didn't work for me from Heir of the Empire was at that time, we knew that there there weren't no aliens in the Empire. It was only humans. And now how that story is retold, yeah, that sits very well with me, how I take it. like it a lot. I have yet to dive into... Thrawn Alliances, though, and I think that's on me because I keep letting too many other Star Wars podcast shows get in my own road. Um, Rebels? That didn't... I watched every episode of all four seasons, but Rebels is the one show out of all the Star Wars animation that didn't stick to just me, and that's on me. I like Resistance more, and some other folks take it opposite. So I'll keep an eye on a Twitterverse this week and see what all you got going on. Maybe you want to talk about for next show, and maybe I'll send you another voicemail, and you'll have two of me to play. So until that next time, may the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with all of us. See you on the radio. Thank you for that, Anthony. Did he say he listened to that episode twice? Yeah, and I can't yeah, believe I it. Yeah, I just thought it was us. That was a good episode. <laughs> That's awesome, Anthony. Thank you so much, as oh, yeah. always. Um, I really agree about what he said about Thrawn, about how jarring it was to see an alien, a non-human in the Empire at that time. I totally get what he said. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. different. And I think now, uh, 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 life, uh, shoot, don't we, do it. We need to quit. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I think um, the way... Zahn almost had like a second chance of doing it the way he's done it. I like the uh, the political air that he has, especially Thrawn coming out with this new sequel trilogy and the direction it's headed as far as inclusion, like what we talked about earlier. Having him fight, and uh, especially Vonto more than Thrawn, having him fight with uh, just being an alien in the Empire. That was more uh, fleshed out. I like that. I think it makes a lot more sense. 
So yeah, Anthony, we definitely really appreciate you pulling all these other guys in there. It was really cool to get all those other responses. And, you know, we've got some more stuff, uh, some more reactions to a previous show. We, we got an email about uh, our fan film episode, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, that was from uh, Keegan, right? Yep. So uh, if I can pull that up, here we go. Uh, Keegan says, did you guys like the film? I liked it, but I disagree with all the hype saying that it's better than what Disney has produced. I simply see it as a great fan film and nothing more. Uh, I got to agree with you, man. Same. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that people that are saying that it's better than what Disney with its endless... Unlimited pockets, yeah. yeah. Could make... I mean, you guys are just fooling yourselves, and I think you're just... No, just butthurt. They're being ornery. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we're from Kentucky. That's what we say. Y'all are being ornery, and we don't like it. <laughs> uh, no, ornery, yeah, very much. Um, which is another word for stubborn. And You said stubborn. Stubborn. <laughs> uh, these are Kentucky things. Let's okay. get these out. Uh, what else? What's another one? Uh, Pig-headed. You got to get that one out there. Y'all are just all about some chaos, <laughs> havoc, and pandemonium. Oh, that's more like Mississippi. Well, let me just tell you guys, I... Um, I, I don't see how people can truly believe that this 17-minute self-funded uh, <laughs> short fan fiction film can be better than Disney. I mean, stop fooling yourselves. Stop hating. If you don't like Star Wars, stop watching it. I don't think I could say it any other way. <laughs> well, it, you're, it ju- you're just hurting was, yourself. It was really, very yeah. impactful. Like it, There was a lot of emotion and a lot that came across in a sh- very, very short amount of time, which can leave a really big impression, as opposed to like a, a much longer film where you maybe, the, at the end of it, you just don't feel much of anything because there was... There was a lot going on, a lot of time in between, and yeah. it definitely makes a huge impact, but it's, it makes a huge impact with very, very little amount of story. I agree. I definitely am not saying that it wasn't awesome. No, it was, it was great. really yeah, it cool. Was. As far as somebody doing this themselves yeah. and putting all that crap together, it was amazing. Does it stand up against Last Jedi? No. So thanks for that email again, Keegan, and um, yeah, we agree. And we uh, we asked for everyone's thoughts and questions on social media about our topic today, which is going to be episode one, The Phantom Menace. And we got some stuff as well. Um, I got a question from our buddy John. And um, here it goes. He says, are you guys going to talk about Darth Jar Jar? No. <laughs> I see you trolling. You hating. No, he says, all jokes aside, uh, since you're talking about episode one this week, I'm curious about the little Rodian that Annie is hanging out with while working on his pod. Is that a young Greedo? Because I'm thinking it is. The short answer is no, it's not. Uh, That little Rodian, his name is Wald, and he is played by Warwick Davis. Oh, really? He is. I didn't know that he was. Yeah. And um, that's... All you get, really, in canon, but in right. the Legends, yeah. he actually went on to uh, inherit Watto's junk shop. Huh. huh. So there's that. Um, well, I wonder if they'll cross that over. That would be fun. I mean, yeah. we always want more uh, prequel material, yes. and obviously we're getting it. Thank God for Age of Republic comics. If anybody hasn't checked those out, they're awesome. Yeah. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... As far as young Greedo being in that, there was a deleted scene in episode one that you can look up or just pull out your DVD. I don't think it's on the Blu-ray. Excuse me. And uh, strange. He uh, young Greedo picks a fight with Anakin after he wins the the race, the pod race. Wait, and what? He accuses him. There. Wait, 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 wait. Young, wait. what's your question? 
There are deleted scenes from episode one, and I haven't watched them. Oh, yeah. Huh. I'm surprised, too. Well, like, when I was growing up watching episode one, I didn't even, like, really own Blu-rays or DVDs until, like, I moved out. And then I didn't know that they were a thing in that, and I'm just, I'm in shock. Yeah, they weren't on the uh, VHS, for sure. I don't remember which what year it was the DVD came out, but it was on the DVD bonus features. Right, we'll, which we'll, I it was didn't we'll, have. We'll have to remedy that for you. Yeah, so, oh my so God. he gets in a fight. Young Greedo picks a fight and accuses Anakin of cheating in that race. Greedo's always picking fights, biting off more than he could <laughs> chew. It's amazing it's that he lived to see the most Eisley Cantina. Yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs> But yeah, hopefully that answers your question, John, and I appreciate it. It's uh, Honestly, I, that's something that I thought for a very long time until I did see that deleted scene. I was convinced that it was Greedo. We also got uh, some comments on episode one from our good friend Lincoln. He said, I feel like episode one is overly criticized for some of its weaker moments, but not celebrated nearly enough for its great moments. It's not my favorite, but it's still a fun watch with incredible moments. I totally agree. I totally agree. It's also one of the most quotable movies ever, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think that you're that we are starting to experience um, a shift in fandom, or at least in a certain branch of the fandom, that are more starting to focus on the things that they like about Star Wars, even when they're surrounded by things that they dislike. But yeah, I totally agree with you, man. Um I celebrate it all the time now. Uh, I used to hate the prequels. I think I've gone on the record and say that, but um, I, there were there were certain really cringy parts of Episode One that me ten years ago just wouldn't get over and would make fun of in a very negative, oh yeah, hateful way. And now I don't do that. And I think I think all, what I was trying to say is that that's what what we're starting to do, and I think that that's what we're going to be doing here as thirty somethings talking about something that we saw um, in the theater that I'm sure that our opinions of it have shifted over time. Definitely. Yeah. We got anything else, Josh? Uh, one more thing from Brian Young, which is at uh, Swank Matron on Twitter. He's also one of the three major parts of Full of Sith uh, podcast. You guys got to check that one out. That's actually kind of what got me in the podcast. So thank you, guys. Um goes on to say, I think The Phantom Menace is a joy, and the further it's dissected, the more people realize how great it is. Kind of just piggybacking off what you just said. I mean, the more time you spend with it, the harder you look, the better it's going to be. Just there's be- so much that's good about it. Yeah. What, what's bad is very easy to criticize, but... So it, was every also, other blockbuster in the yeah. 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think one of the uh, reverberating... Uh, sentences in Star Wars has always been from a certain point of view how uh, if you just alter your perception for a second and look at things through a a fresh set of eyes then you can gain a new appreciation whereas you would have hated it before and I think that that's what we're going to be doing here but you know what we uh we got one more voicemail. And oh, really? It arrived just before we started recording. Like uh, our buddy Anthony said, he said he's going to send us a second one. Ooh, okay. Once he found out what we were talking about. And <laughs> Let's key that up. Here it is. How do Miss Eden and Pete and Josh? It's Anthony, rural farm boy. Want to give you this here message. 
about my thoughts and memories on Phantom Menace. 20 years. All right, so now i got to rewind my mind back 20 years because that's, wow. I can remember, well, let's see here. Number if I seen it opening day or opening weekend. I do know that I went back to back that day I seen it because that was a lot to take in. And I can tell you straight up that I absolutely loved it. Still to this day, I love it. Because as it was then, it was a new story being told us. Never understood any of the the silliness and sideways that come from it. And that kind of stuff has happened even back when I was a kid. We just didn't have no damn electronical internet to carry on like some silly asses are doing. But we'll put that down because that ain't what it's about. And where we where our fandom sits with it now is in a much better place because there's just so much love for it and there's still so much talk about it. My take my takeaway, something that stuck with me from it would have firstly and foremostly have been Qui-Gon Jinn. Oh yeah. Even still to this day, but back then, yeah, it was just and the score had to immediately go out and get that. And still plays it now. Even my girls. Both flutists in high school. Most excellent flutists, I should say. Yeah, they'll even pick on that from time to time. Wow, that's so cool. For various different parts of it. And I get to have live Star Wars music when I got my girls. Wow. <laughs> awesome. So that's my thoughts. And I'm hoping that your inbox done got flooded. And maybe I had a hand in helping that out. So post up in that Twitterverse what your next episode what you want to talk about, and we'll get on to talking about that. So till your next show, my Star Wars friends, may the Force be with each of you. See you on the radio. Thanks again, Anthony. Man, keep them coming. We love hearing from you, and oh, we, yeah. we certainly appreciate all the, the help you've given us by spreading our shows and stuff and retweets and all that, and we, we love talking to you, man. So can't wait to hear from you next week. And you know what, guys? I say we just jump into uh, Phantom Menace because we had a lot of news and, and mail to cover. And now I want to talk about what I love about episode one. And um, forget, oh. forget about Netflix. Oh. Let's Phantom Menace <laughs> and chill. <laughs> I'm ready. All right, so we all saw this movie as kids. Yes. And we also love it as adults, but I think that our perceptions and things that we loved as kids are... Totally different. Yeah. Oh, mine aren't totally different. It's just I've noticed more things, and I like more things about it, but... What was uh, episode one like for you as a kid? Um, I love the pod races more than anything else in the whole world, and they're still my favorite, uh, by pod races, I mean the one single pod race, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I couldn't get enough of it. Um, I love it. I love it so much. I really liked um, all seeing everybody come across. I think what stood out to me most as a kid was I liked the, 
the action figures as well. And I like the C-3PO without his plating. Yeah. I love seeing him taking Anakin's flag across. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like the pod race a lot. When I was a kid, though, I freaking loved Jar Jar Binks. And then I started to hate him. Really? And now I love him again. It's you know, weird. I can't, I've come full circle. Yeah? Yeah. Because I told you I, I really enjoyed reading the novelization. And um, I just, when I saw the pictures and the screen caps of him before he came out, I was like, this is something I've never seen in Star Wars before. You yeah, know, he was I, totally I grew new. up on the original trilogy. And I thought Jar Jar was cool as hell. I was all about him. Yeah, he. it really sticks with me now when I watch it that he is always there. Like, he's there throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Like, he's in that movie more than Anakin. He R2'd the crap out of that movie. What? As far as, like, the series, R2 is in every damn movie. Yeah. Jar Jar is on almost every scene, except yeah. for uh, Theed Palace. And I think he has um, a, a very important role in just the whole Skywalker saga in general, and I think we'll get into that a little bit later, but what kind of stuff stood out to you as a kid? Well, um... Go on ahead, we'll handle this. And then Darth Maul throws out the cloak and holds out. Ray Park was awesome. Holds out the double-ended lightsaber, ignites one end, and then ignites the other end. And I'm sitting there as a kid thinking, holy shit, there's two. (laughs) That was just, what is that? Because that's not Star Wars at that time. It's so new and menacing, and he's got horns and tattoos and that music. Duel of the Fates was probably the best film score that they could have ever put with that scene. I still rock it, like, oh, yeah. weekly. Was, listen to it on the way here, actually. <laughs> yeah. And my one-hour drive that's 20 miles away. <laughs> Yay. Uh, well. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> that and um, just the whole Tatooine series in the, in the movie, that was kind of neat. Just to explore more of where Luke grew up. And to see a different city, yeah, even, Mos Espa, it really made the planet bigger. It's most everything on Tatooine, apparently. <laughs> wow. Mos Eisley, Mos Espa. I'm trying to not make a dad <laughs> joke right now. Do it. No. It's got to be a hut work, Do it, right? do it, do it, do it. No. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But, so we that's totally different for me, like because I wasn't super into the original trilogy growing up. Yeah. I really loved Naboo like so much, and the underwater city was amazing, and the palace was amazing, and just everything about it looked so, so fantastic. Beautiful, yeah. Yeah. So we've all kind of, uh, well, I mean, I, I probably watch episode one maybe once a month. Or so, just honestly, because it's one that just really kind of chills me out. When I like, yeah, I can just, easy I can to watch. just chill. And I watch like it. to just put it on while I'm doing other things in the background. So you're just Phantom Menace and chill, guys. Exactly. Right? Yeah, a lot. Um, I think we've all watched it more than a couple times in preparing for this episode. Just to keep it fresh in our head. Seven. I know, you, man. You <laughs> I got to do homework. It's <laughs> seven though. <laughs> no, it's good stuff. I had a four point one grade point average. Well, I have to do homework. Then you get to watch all the TV you want as an adult. Yes. Because <laughs> I missed out on so much. So when you talked about Naboo, I want to say something that as I was sitting there watching it last night, uh, that I thought about that I've never thought about in all the times that I've watched. And and I think that's what why Star Wars is so good. It's so dense that you walk away from it 
uh, with something new, you're watching it or you're focusing on a different thing in a complex uh, screen. Yeah. So whenever uh, Jar Jar takes Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan to the underwater city you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he gets a, he gets a bongo from Boss Nass, uh, and they they have to go through the planet core. Yes, the planet core. <laughs> <laughs> Much better. I had to get something. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about how it would feel to be dealing with as you're going closer to the center of a planet. The, the gravity. The gravity is going to be more intense. Yeah. So I was thinking maybe that is exactly why there are all these giant kaiju fish monsters because they're constantly like like Goku working in a hyperbolic time chamber with extra gravity all the time. That's but I'm sorry, the third but Dragon none, Ball none of that reference. makes any sense. No, no, I get it. <laughs> no, think about it. If you, okay, forget the Goku. Okay. But if you evolved as a creature in more difficult uh, terrain, yeah, but you're they, going to be more dangerous and larger. In the oceans here, they evolve. I mean, and this isn't... We're, we're talking about Star Wars, so yeah, it totally makes sense in the Star Wars world. But in Earth's oceans, things evolve in the very deep sea by uh, becoming very thin and flexible and like they don't... Huh. They don't have a lot of substance to them like jellyfish and squid. They become very large, but they're very flimsy, which is what I was thinking about these creatures. Like maybe they're they're actually like giant squid or like jellyfish where they look like they're extremely tough and bony and spiny, but they're actually like so soft Subtle. and pliable that they feels like they're barely made of anything, but they can be enormous because the gravity doesn't affect them. Well, usually I'm the actually guy. When it comes to oceans, I am the actually person. Also, you cannot you cannot pilot a ship through a planet core. Like you just can't. You just there's just no way. Well, there's absolutely no way that could possibly happen. But it did in Star Wars, which is so N- cool. Naboo is a special case. It totally is. It's so special. I love it, and I loved those giant sea creatures. I still love seeing them every single time. I love that they're so early in the movie. I don't have to wait to see them. There's the, always a bigger fish. The big one bites its head off. So yeah, the big one, the big fish thing, uh, Godzilla, comes through and just manhandles the almost bigger fish, the goober fish. Yeah, and just bites its little body in yeah, half. So cool. That so, was just some like of the best stuff what? about about uh, Phantom Menace are Qui Gon's quotes, though. There's always a bigger fish, or be mindful of the living force, or so, your focus determines your reality. He uh, he's profound. And it's so simple, though. It's just few words, but they have such a meaning. Uh, Qui-Gon's probably one of my favorite characters. The list doesn't change as much as Pete's. Um, (laughs) But he's pretty high on your list, too, isn't he? Pete? Oh, for sure. I was actually still just thinking about uh, what the the short, uh, profound things that people were saying in the bongo like and uh, my mind went to another thing that i noticed that i've never noticed before but qui-gon used the force to calm jar jar down yeah he vulcan neck pinched him and then obi-wan looks over because jar jar's like oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and he says you ever did it i i never noticed that no and it's just it's <laughs> wait, small wait, wait. things have you noticed it josh because this the most recent time we watched it yesterday or the day before is the first time that I noticed it be- only because Peter said something. I didn't 
get it. The first time I realized that was maybe, I want to say, I guess two years ago. And I only really kind of noticed it because I was watching Rebels and Ezra has that calming ability. And I'm like, oh, that's new. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Qui-Gon could do the same crap. And then I was like, even before that, Obi-Wan did it when uh, they're on Ryloth and they've got those bugs and he's kind of like subduing them and they're still wanting to chase him, but he's got to corral them into that little uh, canyon. They blow the bridge. That's, oh, yeah. That and, was so, I'm Wars. like, yeah, so I was just going back over that. I yeah. actually watched the uh, Ryloth uh, series, or well, not series, I guess the, the th- three episodes arc, yeah, uh, last night. I love Clone Wars. It's so good. <laughs> My mind is even starting to wonder a little bit more about uh, Easy the interaction with of with Boss Nass. Uh, think about when Padme first met uh, Jar Jar. She said, you're a Gungan, aren't you? As if she had never seen a Gungan before. Right. And then Boss Nass uh, wasn't worried about any sort of occupation for the humans because he said they they don't know about us then. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that the people of Naboo and the Gungans have been so separated possibly for so long that they don't even know what they look like or even where they are? Do you think that some people be. don't even know what Gungans are? Almost like a, a like legendary kind of thing. Yeah, they're a, yeah, they're a thing. myth. Yeah. The yeah. boss believed huh. that they would be fine. Yeah, wholeheartedly too. Like, yeah. I think that that's really interesting. That says a lot about how important that final parade was whenever they got peace. Yeah, and they were all together. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a very weighty topic. That was, uh, that's neat. Yeah, the whole movie is. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't seem like it at first or 10th watch but people hate this damn movie and i don't get it i I think it's really rich the politics are amazing and if if even if you you just think about naboo and even if you just think about senator palpatine and naboo and where things go from there and then you add in the gungans there's just so much depth to it yes and when you talk about the politics and just the whole conflict with naboo and the trade federation Another thing that I noticed, uh, well, I mean, we've all seen uh, whenever Amidala brings it up to the Senate, uh, we're being blockaded. Uh, our trade, we, we need this stuff because we don't do anything. Like, we need the help of our trade routes. And yeah, that they're stuff. all in support. We're in the outer rim. We're artisans yeah. and farmers, you know, and we just make art. That's all we do. We can't eat our paintings. Yeah, there's no... No metal, no ore, no mining, nothing like that. No gas trades. Right. So I was sitting there thinking about whenever the Nomordians representing the Trade Federation come down in the Senate, like, this is absurd. Yeah. And he's like, the senator from the Trade Federation has the floor. The senator? The Trade Federation has a senator? So how large? So like, okay, so the Trade Federation is is based on Cato Nomordia, Mm -hmm. right? Does Cato Nemoidia also have its own planetary senator and the Trade Federation have its own separate senator? These kind of things, I was just like, why does a giant business Conglomeration. have because a senator? It's yeah. that big. That's crazy to yeah. me. Or yeah. they just took over the planet. Like, that's just, it's just one Trump Tower in the galaxy. That's just what they do now. It's wild. Yeah. See, I've never thought about that. 
Right. And most of that politics stuff just went over my head as a kid and I never really You don't care about got it. it. Oh yeah. And I didn't yeah, I didn't care, but I I did because it was my favorite movie and it was really awesome, but I didn't get it, but that didn't make me enjoy it any less and now I just enjoy it more because I I do kind of get it. It's deeper. It's bigger. Yeah. yeah. I think even if I had seen episode 1 for the first time as an adult, I would have needed to watch it more than a few times to actually understand what the hell is going on with yeah. the blockade. And why? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, and the same respect, like new movies that come out, Last Jedi. I didn't really know exactly what was going on after, until like two or three views in. Like I, I knew what was going on, but there were things that I didn't notice. Now I have such a rich understanding of the politics in Episode One, and I think it's great, even though it's annoying. And at the time, I just didn't care about it, and I blocked out most of it. And was just all about the lightsaber battles. <laughs> well, of course. And, and the Star Wars in the stars. <laughs> you know, all that stuff was really cool. And all the aliens and the pod races and that. But See, this is where the uh, extra media comes in. All the novelizations, all the other novels, the comics, the cartoons, the animated series, stuff like that. That had such a gravity to... Um, well, it's not episode one. It's actually episode three. But just as an example... Uh, Boga, which is the lizard dragon thing that Obi-Wan was right. on during Order 66. So watching the movie, you get a very two-dimensional uh, understanding of what happened. Is you think, okay, he's riding this lizard thing up, and they shoot it down, and then that's just it, and he survives in the water. Actually, what happened is it sacrificed its life so Obi-Wan could survive. That You only get that in a novel. And there's so much more weight to that 15 second clip in a movie. Right. That's, guys, if you're not reading this stuff, you're so missing out. And honestly, like Pete said earlier, um, I didn't care much for the prequels growing up just because, I mean, they were great and it was new Star Wars for me, but it was like, um, it was just different. And you know how everybody's hesitant to accept change now having read all this other stuff especially the clone Wars series i love them so much if not almost more right i think that clone wars also um increased little throwaway lines increased my appreciation of little throwaway lines like remember uh, i remember thinking that this was a cringy scene when i was a kid where annie says are you an angel yeah. You know, I've I've heard that they are uh, from the moons of Iego. I think you guys remember the Clone Wars episode where they go to Iego, and there are, there are literal yes creatures like angels. angels. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it makes it so much better. Yeah, I think that uh, that ties in perfectly with what you're saying about read the extra material. It will enhance your enjoyment of it. I don't think you can enjoy Star Wars just in one sitting. And There's it, no way just because all different you can't points of view. Well. Can I say, I during this most recent watch, I found that if I pretend Anakin is like two or three years older than he looks, um, the dialogue is much less cringy and awful. <laughs> Just have to pretend he's he's actually older because he's very, as, very, very smart. As Padme's reception of him? No, as far as his actual deliverance of lines of dialogue and the way that he says things in full, complete adult sentences. Yeah. Um. It's ridiculous. But if I pretend he's slightly older, it makes a lot more sense. And it it's a lot less irritating. 
Hmm. That's still the only thing that I don't really enjoy is uh, whoever wrote his dialogue. The the dialogue yeah. isn't just it doesn't sync up with George the way Lucas. he says it and with his <laughs> face. Yeah, they don't all mesh very well. well and I think that was casting. Well, people have always said that. There's a lot of things. I, I think yeah. that people but have always said that he's one of the most uh, difficult directors to work with if you're an actor. He does not direct actors. He creates movies that are uh, uh, at the, the front lines of technological advancement. Yes. Yeah, and that's and what he focuses yeah. on, and that's what got Star Wars so big. That's right. why him and Spielberg are such good friends, yeah. because it's... And Phantom Menace was amazing for that. It's just... I mean, huge. It, and honestly, it's, it's, huge. If the dialogue is a thing that bothers you when you're watching it, just pretend it's like a book, and the characters are actually a little older, and they're... Because usually they are, and they're just very smart for their age. It's fine. I've found that at this point in my enjoyment of Star Wars, I, I tend to overlook the uh, campiness yeah. in the dialogue because I realize that it's been there the whole time. Oh, yeah. But that's a whole other year. <laughs> but I want to go to the Toshi station to get some power converters. Look, I mean... Oh, yeah. All of Luke's lines are just as just as cringy as, as little Annie's. But if you honestly. hear about if you hear about like the behind the scenes stories where actors were saying like, oh let's ad lib this here, George Lucas would uh just Ooh. take it and go. Yeah. And say, Oh, all right, we're done with that one. And if you look like uh he didn't even care about like when they were doing the run on uh the Death Star, the pilots he wanted the pilots to not say their their lines in order that it was written. He says, I need you to say these in different ways and it just threw the actors off. Like gold leader and if you watch him he says well what if what if we write it down for you if you look at it he has a piece of paper on his leg and he just keeps looking down and it looks like he's looking at like weird dials and and instruments on his stuff but that's just who gold leader Uh, george lucas asked him to do something different than what he had prepared for Uh it's just odd i think that it's not so much jake lloyd's right as his deliver his uh delivering his lines and, and the same for Hayden Christensen. I actually, I think that they are good actors. There are times where I am just very into what they're saying. Like there are certain lines when Hayden Christensen is expressing the rage and of, uh, of someone with mental health issues. And yeah. it's just, it's so believable. And I don't think it's weird. I, I think it's just, that's the character. Maybe we just don't like, Adolescent Anakin or mid twenties Anakin. Maybe he's we just very, don't. Maybe we just don't likeable. like the character. Right. You know. Yeah. So. He was so good in Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People uh, change. Anyway, Episode One, because we just ran off with that. It's so easy to do. Yeah. I just. I don't know. I I just didn't think that. Uh, the acting was bad. I th- I felt like I had to kind of go around about. Yeah. No. 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 Saying that. So, so it's just different. One of my biggest takeaways as an adult is also part of uh, Anakin's dialogue. Um, as soon as he leaves the planet and he talks to Padme on the ship when they're leaving Tatooine, where Jar Jar is asleep and all you see is his feet kicked up on the table. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she asks him how he's doing and he says, cold. And then when he's uh, being tested in the Jedi Temple, they again ask how he feels, and he feels cold. Cold and afraid. And which Yoda uh, interprets as afraid, which we know now after watching uh, mostly Rebels that being 
the cold is like biologically well, fine because he come from a desert planet for one. No, no, <laughs> no. The cold means dark side. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah I was gonna ask if if they were actually sensing that because immediately he started talking about fear, like you said. Yeah. Fear leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. Yeah. These are things that lead you down the path of the dark. Yeah. So Anakin was already there as soon as he left home. He was on his way down the dark path, feeling cold and afraid. Yeah, the whole Jedi Council disagreed with Qui-Gon, and even Obi-Wan asked Qui-Gon at one point, he's like, they all can sense it. This boy is dangerous. Why can't you? Yes. So I I think that that was a a good pickup for sure. He's They were sensing the dark side within him, the conflict, the attachment, which is why they didn't want to train him. And but. also why Yoda probably didn't want to train Luke as well. But. I've got such a butt right there. But then you see, like, looking at a f- f- thousand views later and kind of studying Qui-Gon, I honestly think Qui-Gon was more correct in the situation because he was, out of all the Jedis on the Council that he was not on, I think he was more in tune with the Force than all of them. More of an understanding of it. Have you read the new uh, Age of Republic comic? I or have. See there, where I'm going with this? Yeah, there's there's a, no spoilers, really, but there is a short little debate between Qui-Gon and Yoda about uh, the perception of the Jedi by the rest of the galaxy. And I think uh, Qui-Gon, even in, in the movie, is always talking about the living force. And yes. I, I feel like he views the force in a, de- a different way. I feel like the, the Jedi and the Council mm-hmm. are so obsessed with the cosmic force. Mm-hmm. And um, they even go on to say in later uh, iterations of the prequels that their ability to use the Force has diminished. Right. I think that you're right. I think that Qui Gon turning themselves off from it. Look, Qui Gon wanted wanted them to believe that he was the chosen one. Yes. And I don't think that they disagreed. I think that they just did not want to train him as a Jedi. They were fearing. They were. They were afraid. They were just. Yeah, I, I disagree with everything that the Jedi did in the way that they handled things hubris it's yeah so mountains of so hubris. what if Qui-Gon had trained Anakin yeah I think it still would have came down to um, him turning into a, there was just so much at work there uh-huh. yeah that there it's just I don't think it matters who trained him at this point he would have probably been more knowledgeable but I think um it would have been a bigger fall, honestly. Ooh. Because Qui-Gon was so, uh, at that time, compared to everybody else, he was so unorthodox with the things he said and how he attacked and what he used, which even in his, uh, the form he used in lightsaber combat was all offensive, which is why he ran out of steam against Maul. Maul could do this because he, he pulled from the dark side, and the more angry, the more uh, hate he had in him, more fuel. The more fuel. And he wouldn't run out of gas. Qui-Gon didn't have that. So there was... And then Obi-Wan being able to defeat him through defense and patience. There's so much um, poetry in episode one. It's it's uh, it's fun to watch, just the dynamics. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I got this big grin on my face just because I love talking. I don't know. Just talking about this stuff like this just makes me so happy. This is I love this damn fandom. <laughs> oh, man. I I think um, 
I try not to entertain what if scenarios too much, but I, I started to think about one uh, in relation to when you were talking about how Qui-Gon was so unorthodox in uh, relation to all the other Jedi on the council and other masters that came and went. I think that it's kind of crazy how he bet everything on this little boy winning that pod Chance. race. It was so ballsy. Yeah. Um, Shoutouts don't gamble. But they, they bend the rules. Oh, very much. So the, it's not really gambling. It's it's kind of like uh, Lando cheating at you know, a game. If you think yeah. <laughs> I I guess I want to say is like, what if, what if Anakin was not able to somehow pull his pod back together after Sebulba um, ransacked it yeah. and they lost? Right. And An- Anakin just died right then and there because I don't care how powerful of a Jedi you are. If your pod's sitting there flying around, you're going this fast, and you smash against the ground. Yeah, you're still you're human. Sobolba <laughs> survived his pod crashing. Yeah, but his I'm saying, like, a, what... I guess this was skid, though. Yeah, what... It was like... Anakin was, like, spinning around. Yeah, but you around. can't predict how it's gonna... You don't know that he would have died in that situation, but it, if he had... I'm doing a yeah. what-if scenario. Okay. So what if he had died? Uh, what if he had just lost, okay? And what if they had lost the Nubian ship... And Anakin was to remain a slave forever. Naboo How would have been taken over. Naboo would have been completely taken over by the Trade Federation. The Senate would not have changed Palpatine because Palpatine have would have been in control. And he wanted Naboo to get blockaded and under control. He revealed himself as a Sith Lord See that to, me. to the Nemordians and revealed Maul. that which he would not reveal to like, what, anybody, anybody else. else. He wanted that to happen. It's amazing that it didn't. And, and he even sent Darth Maul to stop them even after they had won and were about to get off the ship with their T-14 hyperdrive. Yeah, everything in his power to stop it. And it still didn't work. I guess I just... I think that it's so crazy how it all was held on one chance. something you could just hold in your hand. Something that could have gone one way or the other. Could have fallen out of the right side of your hand or the left. And it would have landed some... I don't know. It's just so... The movie kept me on my feet all through or just on my toes i mean like throughout the whole thing and it still does yeah. i'm still sitting here thinking about it 20 years later Qui-Gon just had that he knew certainty yeah. like it wasn't faith and it wasn't hope it was like more than that he was so sure so sure oh in this master and apprentice coming up i want to see them yes. dive into that which i'm sure she will so that to me, Quagon stands out so. Yeah, he's just much so sure of himself. One of the quotes that I wrote down was um, him saying to Obi Wan, "I shall do what I must," because he's just so sure of what he knows and what he thinks is right. And but he it doesn't matter. The tri- the... It doesn't matter if it goes along with the Jedi code or not. It's his code and what he thinks. I don't think he was really a Jedi. Yeah. In in a roundabout way, I mean, in accordance to what their bylaws and stuff where he didn't match up with them at all. And neither did Anakin. No. They were both certainly uh, very powerful in in using the Force, but the Council did not let them in because they didn't fit their mold. Yes. Right. Yeah, for kind sure. Of I was same, yeah, exactly. much better way to word that. Aura Singh. Yes, I did like seeing Aura <laughs> Singh. And thank you, Beckett. Yeah. Says Lando. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Um, 
Yeah. Do you remember the, uh, I think they were called Unleashed figures, Star Wars Unleashed, and there was an Aura Sing, like a Bosk, yeah. the Bounty Hunters, and an IG-88, and they were they were big, like what Marvel Legends are like now. Yeah, but good stuff. Any other great takeaways from episode one? You know, Obi-Wan fell a very long way in that fight. He always gets the high ground just to throw some stuff out there, right? So, um, oh, what the hell? He's he's falling like that was calculating the distance. That was like four stories, <laughs> and he landed on his back, and he just kind of like gets up <laughs> and and um straight back into the fight. And Darth Maul did it too. Yeah, but I mean, maybe I mean we we've seen Luke Skywalker in the Last Jedi like guard himself, oh, base with, like, himself a little, yeah. with a little maybe they can do like force shields. Right. Yeah. It, it makes perfect sense. And because Darth Maul fell the same. Obi Wan spent. Uh, he did so many jumps in that same scene where he clearly boosted himself with the force. the force. Right. It makes sense that he could do the opposite and cushion himself with the force. Just the total physicality of that fight. It's when you're as a kid, I saw it and I'm like, well, wow, this is awesome. You know, they're flipping and jumping and stuff, but to really get a grasp of their agility and what it took for them to be, as far as the athletic sense, that was an intense fight. There is not just, a duel it was it was a war yeah there's there's a reason they hired ray park to do it yeah and isn't it interesting to notice how obi-wan tested his dark side and his emotions so much he's literally like crying as qui-gon is dying yes talk about attachment yeah enrages himself to go fight maul right as soon as that ray shield let loose he attacked like he was out for blood. Yeah, and as far as any other Obi Wan, even Clone Wars or whatever, we never see him go on the offensive. No, he was he was so angry. He probably looks back on that as a lesson. Yeah, um, in the same way that Luke, when he tested his dark side as well, it's just so in- interesting. Like this movie has is written to have reverberations in the things that we've already seen, but that come later in the so chronology. Many I yeah. love it. I love this damn movie. And Ripples, I think, is a great way to just wrap this one up because um, we can just divulge into so many segues and paths just to... So many other places where the prequels are influenced and have been influenced and could go on forever. Oh, yeah. we. I know our listeners don't have that kind of time. Um, again, man, it's just so good to come in here and talk about Star Wars. Yeah, I... I really look forward to Wednesdays now and I'm glad and it was really good to have you again on the show Eden we always love it we've missed you the last two episodes thanks so and also everybody thank you all so much for joining in the conversation with us we love all of your comments and emails and voicemails and how can they get those to us Josh well they can continue to talk to us by sending an email to comlink at jamtransmissions.com. I'm not going to lie. It took me several tries to get the email right to send my voicemail to for the other episode, and then I still <laughs> couldn't remember it right, so I sent it to Peter's email because I know it. So it's C O M L I N K at jammedtransmissions.com. Right, right. We're also on Twitter at jtcomlink. And we post a lot of great stuff on Instagram. Uh, some updates from Eden will be on there. A lot of my art. Uh, anything that 
Peter and I find uh, intriguing. That's also going to be on that. That's at Jam Transmissions on Instagram and on Facebook. So, guys, uh, thank you again for coming in, talking to us, giving us all of the uh, correspondence to keep this show fuel. Keep it coming. And Eden, where can people find you? People can find me mostly on Twitter and Instagram. My Instagram is at cutiecutecosplay. My Twitter is uh, basically the same type of thing, but the handle is totally different. Um, it's at Eden Jean Grey, E-D-E-N-J-E-A-N-G-R-E-Y. Um, and you can also find me on Facebook, on my Facebook page, Cutie Cute Cosplay. Um, and I'm mostly on Patreon and Snapchat just for my patrons. Awesome. Well, guys, it's been fun, and I can't wait until next week. But it's time to sign off. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you. Always.